Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. This is Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. We are back for part two of our discussion on the Zodiac Killer. And today, this is a discussion about Arthur Lee Allen specifically, who was the prime suspect of law enforcement in the case of the Zodiac Killer. Uh, he became publicly known as the Zodiac Suspect, I guess, shortly after the release of a book authored by Robert Graysmith called Zodiac. I think that's when the, I guess, the majority of the public found out that he was the lead person. Um, he died in 1992 of a heart attack. He was 58 years old. He was also cleared, I guess, at one point f because of the comparison between DNA and fingerprints and stuff like that. They yeah. just didn't have enough evidence. But he is definitely widely known as the Zodiac Killer, even though it wasn't proven and he was never arrested for it. He's questioned but not arrested, right? Uh, well, we'll get to that because okay. when they wanted to question him, he died. Gotcha. Right. No, I remember so, that. And the, and the Zodiac movie, again, has an accurate, pretty accurate timeline for they, that. They really do. They did a really good job at yeah. walking us through those facts. It's a good one. It's like, again, it's widely known as a pretty great fictionalized representation of a of a case like that which we don't get in true crime very often because you know to tell a good movie to tell a good story you often have to distort what really happened because real investigations are pretty long and boring um also i wanted to mention just super quick that if you haven't listened to the first episode of this discussion that's last week's episode please start with that watch that i mean watch that listen to that and then also, if you are unfamiliar with us and new to the show, please please take a little time along the way. Or if you're wondering where to start, you might start with kind of our bread and bread and butter episodes, which are breakdowns of uh, Richard Kuklinski and Richard uh, Ramirez from this season. Um, last season, we had Ted Bundy, Jeff Dahmer, Lizzie Borden, and Charles Manson. So. If you're into that sort of thing, there's plenty of content to go back and check out. So That's I just true. wanted to mention that since we're doing this. And we'll sometimes refer back to those episodes to draw some comparisons. Not that when you have to listen to them to get these, but. No, know, no. We're like, yeah, when we talked about Bundy, X, Y, Z, because they do as you if you've been listening to us long enough or if you do listen to all that stuff, you'll start to see. Yeah. <laughs> you'll start to see the patterns that we see. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, let's talk Arthur. But he liked to go by Lee. Man, this. This is so strange. This guy, without having any hard evidence, mm -hmm. to me, it's such an anomaly. This whole concept of Arthur Lee Allen and his connection to potentially being the Zodiac killer and being the prime suspect, because there's so much there circumstantially that mm -hmm. makes complete sense. But then how do you explain DNA, fingerprints, palm prints, handwriting. He was cleared of all of that. I know. It's so crazy. So there's a couple of things. And, you know, I did get my my information from fandom. There's a couple of um, uh, people on YouTube who have kind of done what I've done, which is gone through and looked at, at his trajectory and made comments about, like, how does this go with that and he not be the killer? Mm -hmm. So really what I'm going to do today is talk a little bit. First, I'm going to talk a little bit about who he is, was. Um 
a little bit about his early life, his personal life, uh, his criminal life leading up to even the Zodiac, yeah, if, if he was, that gives us a little context into, first of all, why we might think he would be the type of person who would do this. And like we've mentioned on so many other shows that, you know, the number one predictor of future violence is past. And this guy did have a very violent, conduct disordered, uh, antisocial past. So... Let, let me just say this. Let me introduce him a little bit first. So he was born, uh, Alan was born in Honolulu, Hawaii on December 18th, 1933. And this is relevant um, because it's going to be related to another piece I'm going to give you in a moment here. But he spent the majority of his life in Vallejo, California. Mm-hmm. And um, like other researchers, researchers have said, he never really left there. Like that was really his thing. So when we think about, you know, did, was this, if he was the Zodiac killer and if the killings went into the eighties and I think some of them took place in LA and other areas like that, that wouldn't make a lot of sense because he never really lived, leave left, which leave. is, uh, yeah, by the way, if you don't live in this country, in this state, that's Northern California. Yes, so you. like just off of San Francisco, et cetera. Right. So the majority of, of, what we know anyway of, of when we think the actual Zodiac, whether there were copycats or whatever, I'm not talking about that, but what we assume to be strictly Zodiac killings was in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, so that's pretty relevant because this is where he, uh, he lived the majority of his life. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at these facts on my screen and his face is just staring at me. He's, <laughs> he's a creepy looking yeah. guy. He's, he's got these dead eyes, um, you know, sort of like husky guy in stature, you know, balding yeah. goatee he just he looks like everything looks like a mugshot when you look at this guy yeah unfortunately if we were to profile mm-hmm. <laughs> like in a negative sense he right. just looks like a bad guy he looks like a bad guy yeah so he was born in 1933 um he's the prime suspect of law enforcement in the case of the zodiac killer and uh, he became publicly known as the main suspect shortly after the release of the Zodiac, uh, which is a book by Robert Graysmith. Really um, a lot of great information in this book. But with all of that being said, like we just mentioned, he was cleared of everything. Um, and unfortunately, when they finally did get an arrest warrant for him, um, he died. And we'll get to that um, computer's kind of freaking out here but that's okay i have other notes here (laughs) as computers do so there's two people in this um before i go any further also that what makes it hard to know for sure that the information that we have about arthur lee allen um we don't know if these two suspects i'm sorry witnesses excuse me we don't know if these two witnesses who knew arthur lee allen um are giving information that is credible or did they read things and watch things and sort of added stuff to their, you know, witness testimony. Yeah. As witness test, as we've talked many times before, witness testimony is not reliable. It's not reliable. And so, um, and then we have the eyewitness testimony from one of the male victims who survived. So there's that piece too. And when he picked him out, he picked out Arthur, uh, Arthur Lee Allen. So, these two witnesses, and I'll talk about them. The first guy, his name's Ralph Spinelli, and the other guy, his name is Don Cheney. And these were two friends. Well, one was a friend, one was actually a, an enemy. And they offered the majority of the information about Arthur Lee Allen and why he was potentially, um, you know, 
pulled in as the prime suspect. Not the John Don Cheney. No, not the Don Cheney. <laughs> okay. Different Don Cheney. I want to throw that yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah, Because you I know, know everybody was thinking that. Yeah, You're when like, I, what? When Don I, Cheney? When I heard that name, I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so to go back before what we know to be the Zodiac killings, which was 1968, 1969-ish, um, f- two years prior, we have the murder of Sherry Jo Bates, um, which they still don't know to this day if this was an, an official Zodiac killing. We're unsure if it's related, but it does take place in Riverside, California, which is up north. Um, or not up north, but not, not LA. East. It's yeah, east of it's LA. It's east. Thank you. Um, she leaves with someone after... she. I think she's at the library. She leaves with someone after the evening um, who ends up killing her and writes a letter to the police department Um talking about talking about the murder basically what he did and this is the same font that we know was used later on with this royal typewriter that they they end up um stating is where all of these letters came from this Mm -hmm. very specific type of typewriter and ink that they would use back in the day so what we do know is alan was in the area at this time okay okay so I just want to introduce that before I tell you a little bit. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Alan now. Okay. So he he was a conduct disordered killed ki- uh, kid. This is a kid who tortured animals. He tortured uh, bugs. He was breaking an. I mean, he was that kid that really showed zero remorse mm-hmm. from the time um, he was a kid. So he. Sorry, my computer's now deciding to work. <laughs> um. He already has that trajectory as a youth. He was also dishonorably discharged from the Navy in 1958. Mm. And he lost two jobs as an elementary school teacher. Now, it's interesting to me. This is back in the 60s um, where uh, clearly if he would have lost his job the first time for what he did, he probably would never have gotten another teaching job. Right. But the first job he, um, he ends up losing because they find out that he brought a gun to school. Oh. Okay. Sure. He ends up getting fired from this job, ends up getting another job um, at, a, at, a, at an elementary school, and then he gets fired, in, fired from there, I think in 1968, for molesting a child. And he, serves, he actually serves his sentence at a Tascadero State Hospital later on after he's found to, I believe, molest another child. So he already, now we have sex offender, mm-hmm. um, pedophilic, um, and this is all really relative, and then, you know, early conduct disorder. So we have someone who's already, like, inherently violent and lacks remorse. Like this is by the time he's in his maybe mid-20s or something. Okay. exactly. So if he's born in 1933, before he becomes a teacher, I'm actually going to back us up now a little bit, and this is where Ralph Spinelli comes in. (laughs) He goes to, Arthur goes to a party where uh, it's it's his buddy's party, and he, his his friend, his buddy, is is with this girl. Um, they're in a relationship, and Ralph Spinelli, this random guy who ends up at the party, ends up um, even he, even though he knows this girl is taken, is like, hey, you know, come dance with me, blah blah blah. Starts hitting on this girl, flirting with this girl. Long story short, they go home. Everybody goes home that evening, and Ralph Spinelli receives a, a loud banging on his door at like you know, two in the morning or something like that. It ends up being Arthur Lee Allen's friend, who is the boyfriend of this girl. 
He comes in, they get into an altercation. Shortly after that, Arthur Lee comes just through this apartment door, Hmm. supporting his friend and beating the shit out of Spinelli to the point where he ends up getting... um, forgot what the charge is it's not disruption like of aggravated assault something. or something i think it was a little bit less than that but okay. he, he that that's the first time we hear of him being physically violent towards another person we know he's been sexually violent already so he's about 19 then that then later on is where he works for the elementary schools brings a gun and then sexually assaults a child so gotcha. this is arthur lee allen well before we were even in the zodiac space now i'm going to fast forward to 1966 what i was just talking about this is where we now allegedly have this first Zodiac killing. Arthur Lee Allen is in this area, and we suspect that if he is the Zodiac killer, this very well could have been him. Okay? So two years after that, we now have... It's 1968. We're in Vallejo, California, and we now have what we know as the first murder that's actually attached to... Zodiac. Allen lives seven minutes off the turnout of this murder. Um, This is the murder of David Faraday and Betty Lou Johnson. So they are a couple, I think they go up to like, they're sitting in a car, it's at night or whatever. He goes up to the car and shoots them both. Nothing really happens after this other than we know he, we now have a new suspect of a murder. No one's even thinking Arthur Lee Allen at this point. Right. But in hindsight, we look back and we go, okay, he was seven minutes off the turnout. Now we're going to fast forward to July 4th, 1969. So this is another thing about the Zodiac. At least what we know of is he sometimes went uh, months or even, you know, a long time between and, his And killings. I'm going to interject and just yeah. say, like, along with your psychological profile that you were talking about last time, and um, I, I think that has to do with the fact that part of his... Um, hit or high is all of the control and game plotting. So spent time creating ciphers, spent time writing letters, spent time creating an identity. He even had an outfit that he would wear mm-hmm. this like black kind of hooded outfit. So I think um, just like with any kind of organized preparatory killer, he, a lot of what he enjoyed was all of this like plotting and playing up to the point where of the execution of yeah. the game. Yeah. And so so he, that gives you time. That's right. Like you can plan something for a year and not in and wait. And and you're still getting invigorated by the control part of it. Totally. Anticipatory. That, that's, that's right. And and again, what made him very different from Bundy because Bundy couldn't help himself. Right. But, I mean, sometimes or he Ramirez. Killed, yeah, yeah. He would kill five people in a night yep. and then jump to another house. That yeah. was not this guy. No. <laughs> So in July, on July 4th, 1969, again in Vallejo, Alan's now living four minutes from this murder. Darlene Farron and Mike, Mike Majot, I think is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to give you a little bit of backstory on this, Darlene was married. So this relationship, right. they're having an affair. Yep. Farron's husband was ruled out later um but this is this is the murder where where the female where darlene believes that it was someone who was obsessed with her yes okay so 
this person's following them. And from, and Mike Michaud, who, who survives through this, recalls her saying that she knew who it was who was following her. Side note, and they talk about this in the movie, Arthur Lee Allen, who went by Lee, mentioned that he had had a crush on this woman who worked in a diner, and that would be mm -hmm. Diane Farron. So there's that connection there. Right. So they have a feeling that Darlene knew who had killed her, um, and she was likely the intended victim. Mike was in the way. Now, um, that sort of escapes itself. Still, okay, we're here now like six months from the very first um, from the very first murder. Now it's September 27th, 1969. This is the murder that took place in broad daylight, which is really flippin' creepy, and they do such a good job in the movie when he's got his suit on and he shows up and he's... Okay, so this is a, another couple having a picnic. Um, Brian Calvin Hartnell and Cecilia Ann Shepard were the victims of this. Zodiac shows up wearing like this executioner's hood and he starts to tie them up, basically saying that he, you know, he wants something from Hartnell. Hartnell's like, I dude, I have like 75 cents, but you can have my car. Mm -hmm. So he throws him the keys and he's like, you know, not good enough. He has Cecilia tie up Brian, but he notices that she, she doesn't really, she ties him up real loose. Of course. So he goes back and <laughs> like ties them both up. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> um, but this is now where he stabs Hartnell eight times and he stabs Cecilia even more. So, and um, clearly she, she goes into a coma on the way to the hospital and ends up dying in the hospital. So, but this weapon is really important. Um, and it was probably like a foot long knife, I think, that they had described. So on this day, Alan stated he was going to Lake Berryessa, which is a lake up north, to skin dive. In our first episode, when we're talking about that interview that you loved so much, and they're asking him about something, he goes into how he really ended up going to a different beach that day. He wasn't at Berryessa. He was a different beach. He met a couple who had chickens, and they used his knife to cut up the chickens. This was his alibi. Mm -hmm. They still don't ever know if right. he really was there, but they did when they search his right. car and they find the knife and the blood and whatever. This is his pathetic alibi. And again, they don't really look into this. No, I want to mention just one thing real quick is yeah. that in the ambulance on the way to the hospital, that young woman who eventually died was actually coherent and gave mm. a description You're right. of all the stuff and then died in the hospital, but was able to actually help the case by on the way she was still awake and describing him. Describing. Mm -hmm. yep. Yep. Just, yep. I want to throw that Thank in you. there. So then we move to October 11th, 1969. And I'm trying to decide if I want to give you guys this piece of information before I go into this. I'll just give you last murder and then I'll go into this. Okay. Okay. So Paul Stein, who was a, a living in the, or working in the Presidio, which is a, an area in San Francisco, he's killed in his cab. Um, and the killer cuts, actually cuts off a piece of his shirt and takes it as a memento, which we haven't yet seen this person do whoever the Zodiac is. The cops actually see a white man of his stature, of, of Arthur Lee Allen's stature, but the cops didn't stop him because they were looking for a black male, which I said in the last episode. 
But they, this is the first time they gather a composite sketch, which ends up not really looking like Alan. But again, I don't know how much they really even put into it because they weren't looking for a white guy. Right. Two days after this, the Chronicle receives a letter about um, Zodiac saying he wants to shoot school children with a bomb diagram that would actually work when you look at the chemical makeup of this bomb diagram. So the cops are now like, oh my God, we have to figure out how to stop this, blah, 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 blah. I wanted blah, to like blow them. up buses or something. Yeah, I wanted to blow up a, a bus full of school children. So I want to pause here for a second because at there is a point in here where Alan goes to prison and he's like off the map for like a year for one of his various unrelated offenses to the Zodiac killing. Mm -hmm. And the letters stop at this time. The letters stop at this time. And the second he comes out, the letters start again. So there's that piece. Mm -hmm. You're talking circumstantial evidence, right? Circumstantial like, evidence. Yeah. So now I'm going to take you guys back to Spinelli. So Spinelli is our guy who um, ends up getting the crap beat out of him. <laughs> yeah. For dancing with his friend's girl. Yeah. Spinelli's now running a nightclub up in San Francisco. This is now like, you know, now we're looking at the last time he saw Arthur Lee, he was probably 19. Mm -hmm. Now he's probably in his 30s. Mm -hmm. So he goes up and he runs into, he goes and finds Spinelli and he says, hey, do you remember me? Spinelli's like, uh, <laughs> no, I don't really remember who you are. I was unconscious. So he reminds, he reminds him of who he is. Um, and he starts to get into this weird diatribe about how contract killing works and how he could prove to him how contract killing works. And he basically says, you know, all you have to do is kill a bunch of random people. And then within there, you kill the person that you're supposed to kill. Mm -hmm. And then they just think it's somebody crazy. Mm -hmm. He goes, I'm going to show you and you're going to know it's me. That is what is to be believed as Paul Stein's murder. Because okay. Paul Stein was actually pretty random. Mm -hmm. He was not a couple. It was not his typical style of killing. Mm -hmm. And that was a court. And again, this is all circumstantial, but this is supposed to be um, what's, this is what Spinelli said anyway, was that Paul Stein was to prove to him that he could get away with this. And he did. Yeah. Right? Yes. So on September 27th, 1974, now we're here five years to the day from the Lake Berryessa murder, which is the whole chicken thing, his right. alibi for being a chicken. Right. He's arrested once again for molesting children and spends two years in prison. So I, my apologies. This is now when the Zodiac letters stop for two years. He stops, they, they stop receiving these letters while he's in prison. 74 till whenever we're not seeing a whole hell of a lot at this time. I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to go back and get into some detail, but I want to give you guys this line of trajectory before I go into too much more detail and, and lose you. Alan gets an arrest warrant in 1992 after they call in Majot. So Mike Majot, again, we look at, he was the guy that survived back on July 4th, 1969. He was injured and he, had, he was very compromised after his injury, his cognition. He had, you know, so they call him in. He's, it's it's kind of hard for him to communicate. And I think they show the scene in the last scene of the Zodiac movie. 
And they ask him out of a lineup to pick out, you know, they have these pictures laying down and they're like, is it any of these guys? And Mike picks that it's Arthur Lee Allen. So they, now the cops go, this is enough now to get an arrest warrant mm -hmm. for Arthur Lee Allen. So they do. They get an arrest warrant. But he dies two days later from a heart attack. So they can't actually ask him any of this. But what they do end up doing is they go inside of his house and they start to investigate. That's what they really wanted to do at first, is they really wanted to get a warrant to go in and search his place. Right. <laughs> they thought that the evidence would be, that's what they needed at the time, is what they thought. So they finally get in there. They find a royal typewriter. They find a twenty-two caliber, uh, they find twenty-two caliber ammunition, which is um, the first official Zodiac case, the ammunition that was used. They find pipe bombs and a matching bomb threat to that original letter. And they find the footlong knife. When you look at the handwriting of Arthur Lee Allen, he, I can tell this because I'm left-handed and the way his letter slant, he's left-handed. Um, but some people say that he was ambidextrous. So when you look at his writing versus the Zodiac's writing, when I look at that, I go, that's what I would look like if I had to write with my right hand. When they were asserting that he was writing the letters with the, uh, the non-dominant hand. hand to yeah. throw them off. Yeah. And he was probably slightly ambidextrous because if you think about the 50s when he was in school, or the 40s when he was in school, mm -hmm. if you were left-handed at that time, they forced you to write with your right hand. So he had the ability to do that. Okay. Now I'm going to take you to Don Chaney. <laughs> Don Chaney. <laughs> that's odd is a guy who ended up being really good friends with him <clears throat> and said that he had given Don Cheney a bunch of uh, information prior to the Zodiac murders, at least prior to the majority of the Zodiac murders, that would describe what the Zodiac ended up going about and doing. So he told Don that he planned to, and he gave Don this information in, in 1968. He said he plans to write a serial killer book describing the killer the same the same exact trajectory and profile of the Zodiac, very and with very very specific details. Very odd. Um, he he actually talks about wanting to implement a story in that book about a victim whose car ends up. Their t the tire ends up getting loosened, the lug nuts end up getting loosened, and she gets killed. And that's what we know about Kathleen John's murder, is that's what ends up happening. Don Chaney tells the cops that Alan had his... This is so bizarre. <laughs> so... As if the whole thing isn't bizarre. <laughs> somewhere in this, they believe that the Zodiac could be more than one person, Okay. Don Chaney starts to tell the cops that Alan actually had, uh, Alan used Don's thumbprints and had him lick stamps to send letters <laughs> as a way of like almost preparing if he become, becomes a suspect. But the weird thing about this is neither one of their DNA end up showing up on anything, not even Chaney's. Hmm. Um, so between Don Chaney and Spinelli, we have two people who, unrelated who gave all of these facts that without evidence, without hard evidence, just circumstantially, how could he not be the Zodiac? Right, right. Okay. However, now we're going to look at his psychological profile. Let's go back to 
he was a pedophile. Right. So it doesn't really match with being obsessed with age-appropriate women unless he was a disorganized sex offender or an opportunistic sex offender, which they exist. Mm -hmm. Except then I think we would have seen a random across the board. Mm -hmm. If it was opportunistic, we would have seen women, children, males, females. We didn't see that. So that's a part that also doesn't really add up to his psychological profile. So when you really look at the hard evidence that's there, there's nothing that leads this guy to being the Zodiac, but all of the circumstantial stuff is really, really freaky. Yeah, and I know that they've gathered information on a couple of other people that they felt like mm-hmm. fit the profile, the, but but they just weren't going down that road. You know, they right. you know as we've seen in lots and lots of cases, it's like they you know they go down a they put all their manpower into a particular road from a particular guy because there was enough circumstantial and they were just itching to get the real stuff, which is what they were going to try to get from his house and also from kind of breaking him down in interviews, which I think if this was the guy, but you know what, even if it, even if he wasn't the guy, I imagine this is the type of personality that would have taken credit for it. Exactly. And so if they had been able to get him in the interview box and they had some more stuff from his house that made sense, I feel like we would have had our guy. He certainly would have confessed to it. Yeah. I don't know if it was our guy or not, but yeah. he certainly would have confessed to it because, wow, you know, hey, you get you get the promise of fame dropped in your lap. He's probably going to take everybody up on it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many other random circumstantial facts. And then, you know, the, also the idea of the watch that was brought up mm-hmm. in the original film too, that his mother had given him that watch as a birthday present. And the watch, when you look at it, it was made by the manufacturer that said Zodiac right on the watch. Um, it's ran, again, it's- So many it's, little details it's, it's little that details. sort of, and, and you just never know. Is it like, okay, you think it's the guy. And then so everything you see or feel or hear feeds into your hypothesis. It's like the very definition of profiling. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning not, not good profiling, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, profiling for culture or race or whatever. It's like, if it fits your perception of events, if you get a guy with a watch that says Zodiac, you're gonna be like, see, that's him. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, a lot of, a lot of white men at yes. this time were ex-military. And yes. we do know that, um, that Arthur Lee Allen served in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And we knew that he, you know, he was a sailmaker in the Navy. Um, so that, I mean, that's Well, just... the ciphers, you know, that was also like military. One interesting thing that happened in the documentary, The Hunt for Zodiac Killer, that they just did in recent years, was that the interesting thing was at one point, you know, they've got these very fancy, high-level cipher, you know, um decipher people from USC and a couple of different other places. And they're looking at this and there's this moment where they think, what if he wasn't military? You know, we've been looking at this cipher in a way where if they were, he was military, they would be, it would be very black and white the way he did it. But if he wasn't, then his personality would be all over the cipher. And so to interpret it, I know there's the head guy at USC was involved in this. It's like to interpret it, 
that's a really crucial piece of information. Like, is the guy's personality all over it or is he military and his personality wouldn't be all over it? Right. it would, but to me, from just watching these things and reading about it a little bit, it seems like the guy's personality was all over it. So Yeah, it does. So it's like he might have been military, but he was dishonorably discharged. This guy was dishonorably discharged. So how how much of the military mindset could he actually have had? Mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of look at, okay, so he might have been military, but that doesn't mean you have a military mindset, especially if you didn't stick with it. He might have some of the skills, but yeah. not the mindset. You know, he learned how to shoot and some other things, um, and it got his life together for a few years maybe, but he couldn't hold it together. He couldn't sustain it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that when we, we go back to that mental health analysis piece too is this guy, whoever the Zodiac was, was a, a perfectionist in some ways, but this also could have been um, another way to derail the police. So he used geometry radiance for killing locations. Um so basically, he would just you know put the little spot down, and then he would measure it back. It, it looked very, it looked very cerebral, mm -hmm. but actually not that hard to do. So it could be someone who is intelligent or wants to be perceived as intelligent. Um, but also, that's a very military type, you know, perfectionistic kind of right mindset. Um, Right. So he, even if he was dishonorably discharged, to your point, he could still have some of the skills or some of the sort of core features of the military with being all over the place. Yeah, it's like, it's again, part of the profiling. And that's what they have to do is they have to try to make their, they have to try to cobble together enough stuff that makes sense to them in order to try to go down a rabbit hole of a particular suspect and get a warrant and all of that. And that's kind of, and that's not kind of, that's exactly where they were when he dropped dead of a heart attack. Right. I guess in 2008, the Vallejo Police Department um, announced their intention to attempt to collect the Zodiac Killer's DNA from the back of the stamps. Mm -hmm. um, I know you mentioned that, but um, I guess just recently um, they were going to use a private laboratory for that. I don't know if that has happened or not i'm not sure but i was just reading something about that um if that ever came out or not um but as of 12 19 in other words as of december of last year there were no um, results that were reported so you know on it goes these kinds of cold cases that have this kind of uniqueness and huge profile and i think that these were high profile cases. Again, I'll say it like I did last time is that there was this onslaught of serial killer culture that was happening in the sixties and the seventies. And so a lot of these cases have been exalted to, um, pop culture status where we still look and, you know, we really look into all of them. But right now in our culture, there have been tons of serial killer cases that are not exalted to this level, but these were all of these sort of um, gateway serial killer cases for lack of a better word. So they've just been in our system for decades. Mm -hmm. So we keep looking at them and that's just an example of like still in 2019, people are still looking into it and trying to figure it out, which it's I think, yeah. think is fascinating. It really is. And we're talking about it. So we're still talking about <laughs> this it. is like 60 years old and we're still talking about it. So, and I imagine people will still be interested in hearing us talk about it, which shows that it's still a, 
a massive part of our culture. I think anything this um, meticulous and and almost like when we talk about the perfect crime, which never happens, um, and that it was never solved, I think people are going to be really just fascinated by how did this person get away with murder puzzles. Yeah. I mean, we're in the business of people puzzles, but I also think that that's like a human uh, interest. You know, we want to know why we want to know how I think that's the very representation of the interest in true crime. Why and how, and how can I not be that? Or am I like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, questions we ask just to really quickly recap. So the exculpatory evidence, so the direct evidence would be the eyewitness of the Stein murder, the, the cab driver, um, the eyewitness claimed that Alan was not the man they saw his fingerprints and palm, um, prints did not match. The DNA did not match. The handwriting was not a match, which I still think that's interpretable. Uh, he, he didn't wear glasses and he was old with gray, black hair. So, there's a lot that goes against a lot of important stuff that goes against him. There's probably a lot more of the evidence that isn't hard evidence that you could draw a conclusion to, but the stuff that really matters isn't a match. And that's just fascinating to me because there's just so much that does. Yeah. And, and I'll say too, there is no less than 12 other people that they suspect for this. Right. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, including like the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. Right. I mean, they've, they've, there are a lot yeah, of people. This is one guy. Yeah, this is one guy of all of the people that they have. I think he's suspected. just really been dissected the most because of all of these weird anomalies. Yeah, because in the beginning, this was the guy this that was they the were guy. focused on, and there was a book written about it and yeah. all of that. So he's been the focus of it. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Here we are. Thank you so much for doing that. And um, I found it very interesting, and I found my, my part of it very interesting as well. Um, we very much appreciate you listening to the show. Please, uh, if you are interested, stay tuned for our Shrink Chat show on Fridays. Give it a listen. Tell us what you think. Otherwise, come back to next week's Terror Talk show. This is Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. If you enjoyed this show, there are two things you could do for us. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media, as well as writing a review on iTunes. Plus, you could check out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs>